Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Welcome back, listeners. I'm here today again with Ken Cohen for our third installment. And in our last session, we discussed some of the, the important people in your life, Ken. And we talked about some of the knowledge and the information that you had gotten specifically from these teachers. But I wanted to touch a little bit before we get into what you're doing today, just if you could address this, this question of how you embark on this path of accumulating more and more knowledge simply to understand that other person, that medicine person. Clarify a little bit, Bob. Yeah, so, so in other words, you know, when you describe the story about uh, the stone, about how you got these teachings that were based on the stone, and there were these links in the story, one piece of information brought you to the next one, which brought you to the next one. And there's a certain experience of being with traditional elders that is beyond the actual words that they use. But you have to get to a point of knowledge before you can perceive that. So that, you know, there's really, it's such an important question, but I don't think there's any easy answer. I'll, I'll tell you what my impression is. To be able to walk that journey, requires uh, courage and humility, especially those two things. And I often keep in mind a prayer that was taught to me by a Dakota friend from the, whose people are from the Great Lakes region. And he taught it to me at first in Dakota, but also in English. And basically the prayer translates creator, whether the path is easy or difficult, I will not fear. Again, the prayer is creator, whether the path is easy or difficult, I will not fear. That is, if we are called to that road, then we neither want to pursue pleasure nor avoid it. We neither want to pursue pain as though pain is inherently ennobling, nor avoid it. We simply say, Creator, th that, that path that you've put in front of me, I will try my best to walk it. And then the lessons start to unfold. And the lessons are not always easy. I mean, there definitely is a kind of testing process I'm not saying that a person has to go through some, you know, horrible pain in their life in order to learn. I believe that's also a mistake. Some people believe that the deeper their scars, the more worthy they are. It, it doesn't quite work that way. It's just a matter of saying, Creator, I will walk on that, on that path. I mean, I, I think of what my own elders, like Katua, what he went through. You know, he was 
born with all sorts of illnesses. He, he said probably any disease I could think of, he'd had it. He'd had typhoid fever. He'd, he'd had uh, prostate cancer. He'd had uh, uh, chronic obstructive you know, pulmonary disease. He used to cut gemstones. He uh, designed his own native jewelry. And he used to joke with me that when he dies, someone should take his lungs out of his chest and sell them because he was sure they had all sorts of diamond and ruby and emerald dust that might be worth something. He, he, got, he, he was burned and crippled. I mean, he had so many difficult things happen in his life. And I also had some challenges that brought me near the, near the point of death. Uh, that in a sense, I was tested to see if in weathering certain storms, I could help other people weather their own storms and go through those difficulties. I remember one time I was with Katua, the Cherokee elder I had trained with, and there was a young guy visiting from, I don't remember where, and he, he looks at Katua and says, what, what would it take if I wanted to become a medicine man? Hey, let me tell you, that's an obnoxious question. I would never... Ask someone that uh, it betrays a certain ignorance. It's not something you become or you, you train to do. And Katua looked at this guy and said, I wouldn't wish that curse on anybody. What, what, he, what he meant was that life brings challenges. And if you're going to be of service to others, within these traditions, not as an outsider studying it, not as an anthropologist, not as an ethnographer, not as a new age wannabe. If you are living within this tradition, creator and the spirits are going to make sure you're worthy of it or you're not going to be around anymore. I hate to put it so bluntly, but that's the way, let me tell you that that's the way it works. So it's true what you said, Bob, you know, it's kind of, you know, thinking back, you, you make the dedication, you, you're, you're invited on this journey, and then you make that vow and that inner dedication to listen to Creator. And then you just, you do your best. And, the, you know, it's, it's very much, I know you and I have had conversations about this before, it's very much value-driven. That it's, it's not, in, indigenous medicine is not a matter of technique. Some people think, oh, yeah, I'm interested in indigenous medicine. And in fact, I've been to a sweat lodge. I'm thinking, okay, so, so what? You know, or, or I've been to a, a, a pipe ceremony. Somebody invited, somebody might say to me, I've been to a pipe ceremony. Or I'd like to learn about herbal medicine. That's not what we mean by the medicine. It's very hard to explain. It's not, it's not a matter of a technique. It's a matter of living a certain way of life, which includes your connections with indigenous people, with the community you're, you're accountable to. You know, in, within the Cree, Cree culture, I'm not saying I'm an expert, I'm just saying I'm on that, that learning journey as, as someone trying to honor what was so beautifully given to me in that adoption ceremony. Within the Cree culture, you know, we think about those 15 teepee poles. As you raise each pole, when you're making that teepee, I'm not saying native people live in teepees today, okay? Please get rid of that idea. Your listeners, if you think, don't, native people are part of the modern world. Going to universities, getting the PhDs, having the same job, same kind of work, same goals in life, in many ways as everyone else. But 
we still honor tradition and culture. Native people walk in both worlds, the world of their ancestors and the world that we live in today in the modern United States, Canada, whatever your country. So when there is a cultural activity where we need to put up a teepee, we do today what our ancestors did. We're reliving that teaching, reliving that story. So as you put up the first teepee pole, you're thinking of your obedience to tradition. By the way, I love that word obedience. I don't know if you know this, Bob, obedience is from the Latin ob audience. It doesn't simply mean following rules. A lot of people, when they hear the word obedience, they think, oh, following rules. Yeah, thou shalt not. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Obedience is from the Latin ob audience. It means complete listening. I had no complete idea. Audience, complete <laughs> listening. The opposite of obedience is absurdity from absurdus, meaning completely deaf. <laughs> so many of our native relatives, you know, they'll say, they remind us we're born with two ears and one mouth because we're supposed to listen at least twice as much as we speak. A spiritual person is not so much a visionary as a good listener. So that first teepee pole, even though certainly this was not done with a special interest in Latin etymology, but I love that people today will say that first pole means obedience, which to me means good listening to tradition. The second teepee pole, respect. These, these are the kind of values that are, are behind. If you're talking about walking the red road, this is what you're talking about. Not the sensationalism of wearing regalia, especially that a, a person has not earned, then it's sensationalism, right? Because you have to earn that regalia. Or it has to be part of your family, part of your, your, your culture of birth. It's not a matter of attending a sweat lodge or some other ceremony. It's a matter of following these values. So first poll, obedience. The second one, respect. And that means realizing that you are just one of the people. You know how native people call themselves the people in their own language? The Innu are the people and so forth. The, the Cherokee are the Anyuria, the principal people. I once asked Inchuk, my, my teacher and the beloved elder, why, why do native people call themselves the people? He said to me, because we know we're only just people. No better, no higher up and no worse than any of the other people the stone people, the plant people, the, our other relatives, our other two-legged relatives on this earth, the animal people. So respect is respect for all of creation. That third teepee pole is humility because we are just people and because human knowledge is limited and because we're always on that learning journey. We have to keep our spiritual ears open. Humility. Fourth one is happiness. The importance of, I like to talk about holy joy. I think there's too much emphasis in Western religions on suffering. I think happiness is a valid path to spirituality. Fifth pole is love. Sixth pole is faith, but faith in the sense of trust, not blind belief. The seventh pole is kinship. That means realizing that, as they say in Lakota, metakwiasin, it means that, that you are my relative, that all of life are my relatives. So let's care for all of creation, realizing that all of that is my family. 
the eighth pole is kind of purity and cleanliness in your mind and your body, which, which to me also means a commitment to keep doing our inner work, you know, never to assume that we know that we've completed the journey, completed the path. It's, it's a constant process. We all have fears. We all have times where we've felt that we didn't say the right thing. Or we, we were thinking negatively. I remember one medicine man saying to me, you know, you can, no sorcerer can do as much harm to you as you can do to yourself with negative thinking. So cleanliness in mind and body is so important. The ninth pole is gratitude, thankfulness. Tenth pole, sharing. What I mentioned before, we have the obligation to share appropriately. I mean, it's not that you want to share something that could be harmful, that the person is not ready for. Sharing. Eleventh pole is strength. I mean, that, that inner strength, spiritual strength. Twelfth pole is the dedication to our children, good child rearing, considering the seventh generation. That is, we are going to be ancestors for people that are coming in the future. How can we be a good ancestor? Or from the other viewpoint, how can we create a better world for the coming generations? Thirteenth pole is hope, not giving up. I know that's hard in these times, especially with COVID-19 and with all the terrible things that are happening, all the racism in the world, the systemic racism in the United States, something that's been a, a constant story since the beginning of colonialism for so many people, especially for, for people of color. So, yeah, maintaining hope, not giving up, not giving, not giving into despair. Fourteenth pole is protection, that teepee. That teepee is protecting us, but it's a reminder that we, you know, we, we can be appropriately vulnerable. We can't be open to everything. I see some people that they've got no teepee around them at all. They've got no protection at all. And other people are just the opposite. They're too closed in. So it's a kind of balance point to find out what is, what is that protection that keeps unneeded things at bay so they don't affect us. So we can still be who we are, not overly affected by adverse influences around us. And the 15th pole, equally important. These are not in order of importance. That 15th pole is, is interdependence. I posted something on my Facebook pay, page uh, recently, uh, since we're speaking now in July, uh, that instead of celebrating Independence Day, I like to think of Interdependence Day, that we're, we are all, all connected, that we're one, one web. Grandma the spider reminds us of that, that you pull one part of the web and every part vibrates. You know, the other day I, I took a walk early in the morning. I'm an early riser. I like to get up around five in the morning. So I was taking an early morning walk in, uh, in a, a big kind of wildlife refuge area, not, not too far from here from where I am now, and I saw those spider webs on the, on the plants that had, I'd never seen so clearly the dew, those beautiful drops of shining dew on the spider web, and how the slightest breeze, those dew drops would tremble and sparkle so beautifully. That was a great reminder from Grandmother Spider of how we're all connected we're all interdependent and you know one 
one way, if I can make one other comment, one, one way of thinking about disease is disease in general is lack of connection. When we sense that not only interdependence, but connectedness, and when everything is connected internally, when the, 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 the signals from our nervous system, from our hormones, are getting where they need to go, when we are internally connected, and we're, when we are connected inside with outside, ourselves with our social environment, with our physical environment, with nature, with other people, then we are in the optimal state of health. It doesn't mean we're never going to get sick, but we push the odds more in favor of a long and happy life when we acknowledge and live our connectedness with others, to realize that every word, every thought, everything we do will affect the entire web of life. So anyway, that's my uh, kind of long-winded <laughs> response to, to that question. I thank you for the question too, because it you know, got me thinking. Good. Well, that's that. And, and that's what is so important is that in my experience, in, in the things that I've learned with indigenous people, it's, it's not a complex answer. It's a simple answer with incredible uh, meaning behind it. So it, it, you can perceive something on, on multiple levels. So you could list those qualities that you just described for each one of those teepee poles, but you could spend a lifetime delving into what one of those really means. That's right. And that's, and that's, that's the lesson of living our lives. I mean, you, you look back with each passing year and you realize, oh, hey, I learned something new about, about uh, gra gratitude, about gratefulness. I learned something new about my, my own inner strengths and my weaknesses and the things I still need to work on in myself. Oh, I learned something new about humility. I realized when I spoke to that person, I acted like a know-it-all. <laughs> I acted like my head, was, my head was too big. So, you know, the, this is, this is a, a constant process of, of introspection and of action that's in harmony with that. Which is why, you know, it's so hard to explain what this lifestyle is about. It's, it's really a matter of living it. And you learn, you learn these values not by trying to obey them. That's why I gave that humorous example earlier of the, you know, the thou shalt. It's not a matter of the thou shalt, but thou shalt not. It's, it's what you, you learn kind of by osmosis, just by, by being around people, by being in the situations. I, I mean, not to, I'm not trying to put myself up, but I, I keep about 350 songs in memory. Uh, traditional Native American songs. Amazing. And, and I had to learn those through the context. I wasn't allowed to record them. Uh, I'm not saying it's always bad to record things. There, there are a, appropriate songs that can be recorded. There are appropriate ways to do that. But in terms of traditional songs, healing songs, ceremonial songs, family songs, I, you have to learn them by being in the right place at the right time with the right people. I, I remember when I was learning the, uh, uh, one of the Four Direction songs and uh, I was uh, close friends with a particular Lakota elder who 
took me aside and he said, you know, I want to make sure you can sing this right. So let's go over each word, each word. Let's make sure you, you understand what each word means and how it's pronounced. And then when uh, I had a chance to actually sing it with some other Lakota friends, I asked them also, I said, was there any mistake I made? And I'd like to share with you what I learned about the story of this song, because you, you have to earn these songs. You don't, you don't hear it on a recording, and then you think you have the right to repeat it, to sing it. That's the other problem with the recording, because the recording doesn't capture the context. Maybe that song has a story. Maybe it's only right for certain situations or for certain people at certain times. Like the winter, for example, winter ceremonial songs, you only sing during the winter. Or maybe if it's a hunting song, you only sing during the time that you can be hunting. Or if it's a bear song, well, you dare not sing certain bear songs in the winter when they're asleep because they're going to wake up and be upset. At, they'll be angry at you. And, this, I'm, and I'm actually serious about this. There are, there are songs that belong to particular spirits. And they're the ones who tell us how those songs are to be used. So it's, it's really different type of education, because in a way, that's what you're asking me about. You know, what's the style of education? The, the style of learning is so different within the context of indigenous culture than the usual academic style of learning that we're used to. And again, I'm not criticizing that academic style. There's a place for it. I'm just saying that to learn traditions, you have to be around it, just like I had to be around those songs over many years and learn them properly before I could sing them. Yeah. And talk about being humbled. <laughs> it's very humbling when you, when you go into an environment where everything that you learned is upside down. You know, the, the values are opposite, the ways of interacting are opposite, and all of a sudden, you feel like the odd man out. I mean, that's that's the way I learned. I learned the hard way. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. You often feel like the odd man out because the the styles of interaction and kind of protocols are so different in uh, indigenous cultures. For for example, uh, you know, if if I'm with uh, native people, I'll if I'm with a a, a group and there's a, a woman about to go through a door, usually. Uh, you know, I won't push my way in front of her, but I'll go through the doorway first. I go through with my wife. She was so happy since she's uh, she's native herself. She was so happy that I would go through the door first because it's a sign of respect. It means I take the arrows. I'm there to protect you or averting the eyes. I remember one time I was with a Lakota medicine man who was sharing some beautiful teachings and I was looking down. I wasn't looking at him, and he was, he was very kind to me. He said, that young man over there, he's listening. He's listening. All of you, avert your eyes. Don't look at me. You want to fight? Don't look at me. Look down. Keep your ears open. Don't challenge me with your eyes. Whereas in kind of mainstream society, you're supposed to look the person in the eyes or give a firm handshake or... Yeah. Or women go through the doorway first. I mean, little things like that, or point with your finger. No, don't point with your finger. We, you know, we point with our uh, kind of our lips, first our lips. Uh, there, there's, and, and there's reasons for all these things. Uh, but again, and the use of, of humor. Humor breaks the ice, appropriate humor, to show that we don't take, we take the medicine seri seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. 
And humor is also the way that people have historically dealt with pain. It lightens the load. It makes you feel at ease. My Jewish ancestors, and including the ones that uh, come from Russia, you know, my, I had an uncle that uh, was killed by the czar's uh, soldiers. Uh, they, use, they use humor to maintain hope and to maintain joy. And I believe that indigenous people have done the same thing. So there are, again, these, these ways of interaction that, that show that we are learning from within the context rather than looking in from the outside. Absolutely, that's perfect. Anything that we treat as an object becomes objectionable. It's something separate. It's, uh, I mean, if somebody asks me, well, how did you start studying Native American healing? I'm thinking to myself, what are you talking about? I, I don't study this. It's not a matter of studying. You think I look up in a book about it? I, I didn't read anything about any of this till I was in, involved with my you know, elders and learning for many years. Then I thought, oh, you know, there's some interesting literature. I should start reading, reading about it as well. Uh, so it's not a matter of studying. You don't study to learn about who you are. You listen. You listen and you learn. You learn from your life experiences. Learn from the people. And that is a perfect segue to my final question for you, Ken. You've done an amazing job in three sessions together to talk about these ways of learning. And I wanted to know whether you're working with people. Do you take people on as students or apprentices in the work that you do? Or how can, how can people find out more about what you share and how, how can they learn from you? Well, you, you can look on my website. You can look at sacredearthcircle.com. Write that out as one word, www.sacredearthcircle.com. Right now, during the pandemic, I am offering occasional uh, free sessions uh, through Zoom. Uh, that is online. I recently actually gave a talk about uh, protocols, and I gave another talk about uh, star knowledge and how to connect with the energy of stars and planets and why they are so important in indigenous culture, you know, in the Cree language, the word for the stars or a star is uh, achakos, achakosak in, uh, uh, in the plural, and it's from the root achak, which means the soul. So our souls come from the stars. And there are beautiful teachings about that. So I gave a talk about that. If anybody gave donations, I pass that on to different groups that are fighting against COVID-19 and supporting uh, native communities. Uh, so take a look there. I will occasionally offer other Zoom classes. When things get back to a new normal, I'm so looking forward to sharing in-person teachings. I, my wife and I both have the honor of being elders in residence where we offer teachings on alternate days and work with clients as traditional healers by various First Nations uh, elders lodges in Canada. Uh, but I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not looking for students, but I share, I share what I know in talks, in conferences, in uh, classes, and through, through writing. I've done quite a bit of writing, mostly articles, also for some journals about social justice issues. 
such as uh, attempts by the U.S. government to regulate or control or license Native American healers, believe it or not, that has happened. I helped, I can say, I'm rather proud of it, helped to defeat those attempts. Uh, I was advising people at the, at the uh, National Institutes of Health when the Office of Alternative Medicine first formed to keep Native American medicine off of their list of alternative therapies because it is not an alternative therapy. It's a lifestyle and who is qualified to practice and how that information is used should be determined by indigenous communities, not by a licensing board of non-indigenous men, which frankly is what was coming. So I uh, wrote letters and faxes and so forth. Uh, I've also been involved lately in writing some articles about indigenous approaches and understanding of COVID-19 and how it's pointing out, as others have, of course, been speaking, uh, pointing out uh, inequities in our society and delivery of health care in uh, illnesses that Native people are already facing in an epidemic proportions, such as heart disease, such as diabetes, which create more risk during a pandemic. So a lot of my work is educational, speaking at, at conferences, doing these classes, writing articles, and again, when things get back to the new normal, hopefully seeing clients again. I don't know what else to call them. I mean, that's not an indigenous word. We, we never know what to call them. We don't call them patients, we don't call them clients. Just call them people that come and visit us right, that, that want uh, uh, want to offer tobacco and receive some advice or some traditional healing. Uh, so that's kind of what I do. And as I said, I continue uh, earning my living and paying the rent and the bills through teaching various healing practices from China, as well as Chinese martial arts. Now, I can't exactly spar with someone over the computer screen, but I did give a, a very enjoyable one-hour class on how to punch. I actually did that. It was great fun. Uh, so well, maybe we can talk about that in a future interview. <laughs> I'd love to discuss that parallel life of Ken Cohen. So that's, that's kind of my story. You know, basically, what do I think of? How do I label what I'm doing? I'm, a, I'm an educator. I consider myself an educator and uh, someone who, who uh, educates in both culture and health uh, with a, a special emphasis on uh, writing about teaching and being involved in activism to preserve healthcare sovereignty. Uh, my special interest and preserve the rights of indigenous people to determine how health care is delivered within their communities. Ken, thank you for sharing a little piece of your amazing life with us. And I, I encourage everybody to read Ken's book, Honoring the Medicine, go to his website, attend some of his Zoom presentations and see him in person when we get at the other end of this. So Ken, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. And thank you, listeners. Have a great day. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. 
Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world. 